to the Mission LHC podcast, where you'll hear real conversations with a married couple that are on a mission to help other couples as they learn to love, honor, and cherish each other in all stages of marriage. My name is Heath Yearwood. And I'm Amanda Yearwood. And thanks for joining us as we laugh together and share our story together in hopes that we can be an encouragement to you. Welcome back to another episode of Mission LHC, where it's our goal to talk about all things marriage, loving, honoring, and cherishing our partners. And today we have some special guests. We have Andrew and Tracy Heptonstall, and bless their hearts, we've been pestering them for months on end at this point, trying to get a man to tell their story. So today y'all are going to get to hear a little bit about... The Hepton stalls. Well, it kind of reminds me, remember how you and I, we in one of our podcasts with Steve Freeman, we talk about the only reason we went to church was so they would leave us alone. And so we've kind of been <laughs> pestering them the same way. So they're finally just doing this just to, uh, yeah, just to shut, shut us, us up. up. But uh, no, we do appreciate it. They've got a great story. And, you know, I'm going to let them introduce themselves a little bit and just kind of tell us what they do. And uh, Andrew, why don't you start first? Sure. Um, so I'm Andrew. I've been here at Temple Baptist Church in Coleman for about six years now. Um, we're transplants, so we're not original Coleman natives, <laughs> and that was a huge culture shock. Um, I, I laughed because the very first week I was here in Coleman, I called uh, another guy on staff, and I asked him where the mall was because I was driving around town. I couldn't find the, the mall in town. And, uh, so that was it's the first. country mall down at Cold Springs. <laughs> and my only off days are Monday, so everything was closed on Monday, and... and uh, it, it took a little bit to get used to. Um, it's kind of a Mayberry town compared to Panama City. But in the six years we've been here, we've we've definitely fallen in love with the people and, and the schools and uh, obviously the church. Um, we're really blessed to be the church we're at. So, yeah, I'm there as a student pastor. So I, I work primarily with middle school, high school, and college-age students. And um, been in, in student ministry for, oh, man, 16 years probably, give or take. Um, I've been preaching since I was 17, so I came and do the math almost 20 years. Golly, that's that's, that's a long time. Long time. <laughs> so, so, I, what I'm drawing from this, uh, just listening to you talk, you're even more of a glutton for punishment than we are. I mean, <laughs> we work with teenagers every day, but we get paid a, paid a pretty good bit to do it because that's our livelihood. Oh. And, and you, I'm sure, in 20 years have been... More times a volunteer than not. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. I was the uh, bus driver for a long time for one of the churches, and so I was the only adult on a bus of 30-something kids picking up these kids <laughs> from trailer parks and projects and picking them up and dropping them off. We've had fist fights. We've had all kinds of stuff. Um, and definitely, uh, it was never about the money. <laughs> because, uh, that was, yeah, it'd be kind of insulting to tell you what uh, I was I was making at some some ministries. I yeah. understand. Well, Tracy, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Tracy. Um, I'm his partner in crime. Uh, but no, I, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a small group leader. Um, I have had a heart for ministry since before Andrew even did, and. Uh, you just, must have. You ended up with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> True story. No, um, that's that's part was, two. Before yeah. you were picking up people on the church bus, was she picking you up? Is that what? She was. She, we were. We definitely. It was. 
Oh, yeah. I don't know how far you want to get into that, but that definitely was <laughs> stuff going on behind the scenes. <laughs> well, we are going to, that, that'll probably be our second part of this episode with them that we will talk about their relationship and their ministry together and how they do. But Tracy, tell us a little bit about, are you from the same area Andrew is? Sort of. He's a little bit of a mutt. So he was back and forth between Panama City, Florida and Mobile, Alabama. And I was pretty much just from Panama City. I was born and raised in Panama City, always in that, within like a 45-minute radius Mm -hmm. of there. Um, And then my dad was a pastor my whole life. I was in church since before I was born. So we, I grew up in church. I grew up um, in ministry. I didn't realize how much my parents had sheltered me from until we went into our own ministry. But it's just (laughs) one of those things that you, you learn on your own and then God teaches and grows you individually. So... Right. Well, that's, that's. I'm not sure I've ever heard the term "mutt" <laughs> used yeah. in that way. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, what he says. I was using his words. <laughs> I was born in New Orleans, raised in in between Panama City and Mobile. So I was always around the Gulf Coast. But I was going to say, and yeah. so the water's been big in your life. Huh? Yeah, the seafood. The <laughs> yes. Well, until we moved here. <laughs> until you moved to Coleman, Alabama. There now we the closest these. we have is the Dead Sea called Smith Lake. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they. Yeah. And, Maybe and, the dead body lake. Well, <laughs> and a lot of times the fishing. Now that that brings up. So you do did mention that really part of your life has always been really big with the water, the ocean, mm-hmm. and everything. So you know, I've heard you before talk about that. But tell me about growing up. What did, what did life look like sometimes for you? Um, so growing up, so my parents uh, they divorced when I was about three years old. Um, again, my, I was born in New Orleans. My dad was actually in seminary. He went to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He's got his master's degree in education. And so uh, at three, approximately that age is when my parents separated. My mom's family all live in Mobile, Alabama. My dad stayed in Panama City, Florida. So my mom went to Mobile, and the way the custody was kind of divided up, she had um, primary custody. So I moved with my mom. And my dad had visitation rights. Um, so that was... That was interesting, um, but I, I brag on my dad a lot because being in youth ministry, you come in contact with a lot of kids from divorced homes whose dad lives in the same zip code, and they never even see their dad. Mm-hmm. Dad is totally absent, and my dad lived three hours away, and for years, he was a teacher. He taught math and some other things, and so he would get off of school on Fridays, and he would drive three hours to Mobile. He'd pick me up. He'd turn around, drive three hours back to Panama City, and we'd spend all day Saturday together. And Sunday, we'd get up, go to church, and after church, he'd drive three hours back to Mobile and turn around and drive three hours back to Panama City. And uh, he did that faithfully every other weekend for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's big right there. You know, and, and the one reason we tell our stories, and we've shared this before on our podcast, is everybody has a story. So, you know, how many of the kids that you have are probably living some of the same things so you can relate to that? You know, and I think God sometimes, I don't believe God makes these things happen but i think he the things that's happened he allows them to be used you know circumstances i shared about my mom's addiction and that when a kid's sitting in here in the office i can relate better you can relate when you have the heartbroken kid that's sitting there and going through some stuff like they are and everything and uh, you you know that's one of the things that you can be able to do and you can be able to relate to well, tell me a little bit about how hard was that for you going through um, the experience of having parents that were divorced? 
It was it was definitely a big adjustment because <clears throat> I don't know quite how long it was. Maybe about I think I was like five or six years old is uh, about the time when my parents remarried. So I have now a stepmom and I have a stepdad. Both step uh, both step parents came into the relationship with um, kids from a previous marriage. So now I have, um, I was the only child between my mom and my dad. Now I have uh, stepbrothers, I have stepsisters, I have all this going on. And um, so that was a huge, huge adjustment. And um, honestly, there for a while, it, it was it was tough to adjust to because I, I think that was the biggest struggle I had growing up is not knowing quite where I fit in. Because mm-hmm. um, my stepmom and my dad ended up having a child together. And my, my stepdad and my mom end up having a child together. So now they have their own children and they have stepchildren. And then I'm the only one between my mom and my dad. My dad and I'm like, where do I fit into yeah. all of and this? And then when that relationship didn't go well, you kind of probably even felt that kind of eternally a little bit. That I'm a product of both of this situation and not knowing, you know, like you said, where you fit in. I'm not a part of this family. I'm not a part of this right. family. And it has to be tough. So when you have kids that are going through some of those same things. You know, you can think about it a little bit. Um, that That's what's so bad that a lot of our kids are going through that. But the great thing is, is you had parents that, that loved you. Right. You know, and a lot of our kids sometimes, they, they go through circumstances that they feel like there's nobody for them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why being a youth minister and what you're doing, both of y'all, you know, you, you see that. And, you know, Tracy, that brings a little bit right there. Um you know, you are now working, helping work in the high school a little bit as a registrar, and you're seeing a, probably a whole different aspect. You've been involved in the ministry, but you're seeing a lot from school, what a lot of kids are going through and things like now. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what's been your thoughts on that so far? It is a different side because I think a lot of kids, when they show up at church, they put on that churchy attitude. So to see um, more of who they are in their environment and stuff, it's kind of meeting them where they are and letting them know that you still love them, that God still loves them um, where they are. And and that's actually a little bit better to me than just seeing the churchy version of them. Right. And then you know how to meet them where they are and to be there for them, uh, letting them know that, you support them, um, not necessarily the, the wrong choices or the hard choices that they're making, but that you support them through it. You're going to you're gonna be there. You're going to um, not just go away when things get tough or when decisions aren't what you would want them to make. Well, I know me for one, like I'm just tickled. Like I told Tracy today, Andrew, I said, are, you, are the kids liking you being here? Yeah, how's it going? And so finally I just said, I just don't want you to quit. <laughs> Well, well, she's been very valuable for our personal life, you know, for my sanity with it and everything. But we're a 5A school, and most schools ended up having, you know, two or or counselors, at least two to three counselors and a secretary or whatever. So we're able to have her as a registrar, and that helps a whole lot with a lot of the paperwork and different things. And so, anyway, that's that's been big there, but... You know, uh, when you and Andrew, uh, you know, tell me about some of the things that you've done, and in, in, you know, like from a small child. Tell me about your growing up a little bit. Uh, my my upbringing and everything was just almost the complete opposite right. of Andrew's. Um, like I said, my dad um, was in ministry, so I was in church since before I was born. 
I have a brother and a sister that are older, so I was the baby of the family. It um, explains it, doesn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being the baby um, of the family. It can be worse. I was, the baby. Child. <laughs> I was definitely babied as the baby of the family, so I kind of just hid behind mm-hmm. my brother and my sister, let them talk for me, let them you know, make decisions for me, and just kind of you know let them baby me. Um, but my parents were constantly, you know, Telling them, don't talk for her. Let her talk for herself. Let right. her speak for herself. Let her let her say what she wants. And they were always trying to push me out of this shyness that I had. And um, it was just something that kind of just stayed with me for years, this shyness that I didn't want to talk to people and didn't want to do certain things. But I think my parents could even see back then the prayer that they had for me um, to go into ministry later on was, um, something I had to break through. I had to break through the shyness. So I grew up, um, obviously, the baby of the family, went to school for a few years in public school, and then my parents decided to pull us out and homeschool. So from third grade until 10th grade, I was homeschooled, and I was able to kind of embrace the shyness outside of just my church crowd mm-hmm. people. Um, and then around 10th grade, my parents decided to put me back into public school. There was a vocational school that was offering a really great program for high school students. And so I got to go through the vocational program um, to get my certification as an administrative assistant while finishing high school. And it just seemed like God aligned all of that, which I was terrified. Like, I absolutely oh, I <laughs> did not want to go back to public school. Culture shock, all the things. But God really used that as a way to break me out of my shell. My first um, my first month back in public school, I got mono, and my parents just thought I was terrified of going back to school, so they made me go anyways. But I was like the girl throwing up outside the uh, because I was like so sick, and finally they realized I wasn't faking it, and I had mono, so I had to stay out for a few weeks. Um, but during that whole process, we had done this interview with, um, my, it was like an ITV class. So getting started, um, like morning announcements and Mm -hmm. things like that, they were trying to put the right people in those places. And so we did this brochure video for the school in and out while I was in and out with mono and all of that. But apparently all of my classmates voted for me to be like the anchor for the show. <laughs> and oh, I wasn't wait, there. Time out. Time out. Are you thinking what yeah. I'm thinking? Yeah. Don't oh. worry. This morning announcement. <laughs> yes. With Tracy. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that. They would rather hear you. They'll all vote for you instead yes. of me. Well, Anyways, yes. that happened to me and I got voted in. But that was... An avenue I fully believe God used to pull me out of that shyness that Mm -hmm. just kind of overwhelmed me when I would try to talk to new people and stuff. Um, So I started doing that, and then everybody got to know who I was from that morning show, Mm -hmm. and then I got to know more people at school, and that just, it brought me out of my shell to the point where I was like class president and student body president and things like that uh, in leadership roles to kind of um, stand up for Christ. And that was something that I wanted to use those platforms to do was to share Christ with others and let them know how much he loved them, how much I cared to invite them to church and things like that. I wasn't perfect. I didn't always make the the best choices, but I think God used that platform in a small way. It was just a tiny school with, you know, this little television show or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it really um, pulled out something in me that I didn't even know was there. And I really believe that that was God preparing me for ministry and for future things. Absolutely. 
Well, you know, it's kind of amazing how everyone, we all have stories and we've shared those a little bit, but how God uses situations and circumstances in order to move you to where you are at this point, being a, a pastor's wife, being a part of the ministry, helping doing what you do, leading small groups, doing those things. If you'd have been that shy little girl and stayed in that shell, you may not have ever, but he had to move you. And it, that might have been why you came out of the homeschool situation to yeah. that and you know it's it's amazing and a lot of people don't understand the trials the problems the things they're going through sometimes we don't understand that there can be good that can come out of it and that, that's a great example now while you were doing that uh, how did you two meet huh. <laughs> so uh, this little podunk school she talks about was actually the school that my dad was the assistant principal of and eventually became the principal of the school. And um, we also went to the same church. So her dad was my youth pastor, and my dad was her full, principal. You ever heard of full circle? Yeah. Like, that? yeah. <laughs> like my brother went to the same school the year before I went. Right. So he already had that established relationship with Andrew's mm -hmm. dad. Andrew's dad had mentioned that they were looking for another church to plug into. So my brother invited his dad to our church before he even moved. So it was just like definitely mm -hmm. very divinely orchestrated. I fully believe it was all in God's plan. But it's really neat to see how God brought it together. Yeah, before I even moved. So I moved to Panama City my senior year, like the, the summer before senior year started. And so my dad and them have already moved churches from the church we've been going to for years. Um, they end up going to another church called Galilean Baptist Church. And that was the church where her dad was youth pastor at. So when I moved into uh, Panama City, um, I, you know, I, I was, I would say I was probably fighting some things. I, I was troubled. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up again in that, in that home where I didn't know where I fit in and, and, and things were kind of tense between me and my stepdad. We did not see eye to eye a lot. And so there'd become a lot of disagreements and a lot of arguments and fights. And anyways, it, it kind of got to a point where it bowled to a surface and um, I just kind of told my mom, I said, Mom, you're going to have to make a decision. Either he's going or I'm going, but one of us has got to leave. And my mom, she said, I can't make that decision. And so I just said, well, you just did. You just did, yeah. And so uh, mm -hmm. I called my dad. My dad came and picked me up. And, you know, it was a tough decision because I'd been with these same people, my friends, for so long, from kindergarten all the way up to my junior year of high school. And now I'm just picking up and planting myself in a brand-new school, Totally different than anything I'm used to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I grew up in South Alabama, and we had certain hairstyles and certain, you know, I wore Wrangler pants and boots and, and everything else. And I come to Panama City, Florida, and everybody's got surfer haircuts and wearing, <laughs> you know, surfer gear. And, I, you know, I feel like a duck out of water, for sure. Well, and that right there leads a little bit. And I've heard your testimony and heard your story before, but... You know, I would like to be able to tell you that everything was perfect. You you moved in to your dad's, and life just was perfect from that point on. But here you are. You're you're coming from a a, a broken marriage that of your families, mm -hmm. and not knowing where you belong, where you fit, and then kind of the disappointment, I guess, with your your mom's situation. You know, when you're asking her to make a decision and she can't, but in your mind at the time, you know, like you said, you did. Right. Well, then you're coming in with a dad, that, and it's tough on him. You know, he has got a career and different things. Now I've got a teenager who's probably, you probably weren't the most cheerful thing in the world. No, I, I um, you know, I think people 
handle brokenness differently and, and everybody looks for something for satisfaction. I, I had a, you know, up until recently, I, I didn't really pinpoint my salvation moment. And I, I know that's kind of weird to say, but uh, I, I, at six years old, I, I came forward and I did the whole praying prayer and get baptized and they put my name in a Bible. And I look back on that. I didn't really understand what I was doing at that age. I, I didn't comprehend what was happening. At 13, I was invited to a church with a friend of mine. Um, his name is Ryan Conklin. And this is where I always said it was my salvation moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because he invited me to church, and there was this big evangelistic crusade. Um, and and altar call was given. And, and I, I was walked down to the front with my friend, and I prayed with this older man. And I realized nothing changed after that moment. For a matter of fact, things got a whole lot worse. Right. My decisions were good. I started to experiment with drugs and alcohol and I would, I would, I call myself a serial dater. So in, in high school, I got to this point where I could not stay, I didn't want to stay single. So I was going for relationship, relationship, relationship. And, um, you know, I was just self-destructing. There was just things I, cause I just didn't know where, how to handle what I was feeling. And I, I talk about all the time, teenagers are, they got a Ferrari, uh, a Ferrari full of emotions, but the only license to drive a tricycle. And that's kind of how right. I felt. I had all these emotions and feelings and things and, I didn't know how to how to control them, so I was making all these very destructive decisions, and and then stuff with my stepdad was not going well, and stuff, stuff at home was not going well, and things were just kind of overcoming me. So that's when the decision to move to Florida happened, and so I came thinking fresh start, clean slate. Nobody knows me. I don't have to continue doing what I've done. Uh, this is a like hitting the reset button. And within two weeks' time, I was back in the drug scene, back with a girl, back doing all the stuff I thought I would never do again. Within two weeks of moving to Panama City. You know, seeing that in high school here, we have kids that always move. And most of the time, a lot of them are moving for reasons. They're making some poor choices, and it's kind of what you're talking about, some of that. And... I tell them we don't we don't look at your record from the last school. We I mean yeah we'll check certain things, but I don't know what you did and all that. You could reinvent yourself, but I always use this term: birds of a feather flock mm-hmm. together. And it doesn't matter. Within two weeks' period of time, they have found people that had the same likes, similarities, yeah. and a lot of times they don't have to find them. People find them. Right. They can look at you, and it's almost be able to tell that. And I'm sure that's kind of what happened, you know, real quick that that people you attracted to you, and so you found yourself with some of the same people again. <laughs> yeah, really quick. And and this is one of those things I talk about a lot. With um, I think everybody has these these forks in a row, these deciding moments where a yes or a no can change the trajectory of your life. So um, I was a band nerd. So I, I, I like sports, but I was, I was always in band. And I remember I was at band camp and like the second or third day at band camp, this guy walks up to me, his name's James. And he comes straight to me and says, Hey man, you look like you smoke pot. <laughs> and thanks. And I'm, you know, I'm brand new. He don't know me. And I'm at this moment and I could have easily said, no, I don't. And he would have just, we would have just parted ways and had been in. But I said, yeah. And that afternoon we went to his house and, and got high. Mm-hmm. And that was within two days of band camp. And that was one of those decisive moments where I could have said no. I could have had a change in life. I could have maybe started with some new friends, but I went back to my old habits and ways. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I do. And then it started that trend all over again. So that was happening. I was struggling. I, I was hiding a lot of things well from my parents. I, I, I was really good at hiding things. And 
So at 17, I was going to church, and my life was self-destructing. I wasn't happy. I was I was disappointed in myself for making the same stupid decisions again. And um, I remember I came home after a Wednesday night, and I got on my knees in my bedroom. And this is where I say it was my salvation moment. I always thought this was like my rededication moment. But I, I, I look back in time, I, I sincerely believe this was my salvation moment because I was broken and I was I was just disturbed by everything. I was, and I remember getting on my knees and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. You're going to have to take it away from me. I, I'm tired of doing the same stuff over and over and over. And I remember that night was the night I just surrendered. I just put it all out right. there. I said, God, you're going to have to take it from me. And there was a relay. <laughs> I told him, I said, even make me physically sick if you have to. Make me sick if you have to, but help me stop. Make me stop. <laughs> and uh, that's where the kind of the story gets kind of funny because I was dating a girl. And uh, the very next day at school, I go to school and we were that couple. You got them here, I'm sure. They hug each other and let them oh, all yeah. over each other all the time. They kiss each other. <laughs> we were that couple in high school. And uh, she came over to hug me, and I instantly felt, like, nauseous, like I wanted to throw up. Mm -hmm. And every time she got close or touched me, I felt like I wanted to throw up. And uh, so I told her that uh, usually at lunchtime, <laughs> we would go to lunch together. And I told her, so why don't you go to lunch with your friends? I'm going to stay here. And she said, no, you're acting weird. Uh, something's wrong. What's wrong with you? And I didn't want to tell her, like, well, every time you yeah, touch me. I, I want to throw up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let's clarify, this was not Tracy. This is not Tracy. <laughs> this is not Tracy. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, we stayed at lunch. She stayed at lunch with me, and I broke up with her during lunch. And, ironically, she started throwing up. And I'm thinking, well, that's what I've been wanting to do all day long. Uh, but I, then I, re I, was, I was reminded, and, and it was just the strangest thing that the night before I prayed, God, make me physically ill if you have to, but but help me. Wow. And uh, here I was, you know, <laughs> feeling physically ill with this relationship I shouldn't have been in. And and that day, the very next day, we stopped hanging out. We stopped dating and everything. Um, and then my friends that I was hanging out with, they quit coming, quit calling, quit hanging out with me. And so it was like God just kind of purged everything from my life. And uh, that was... That was around the time, not long after that, where I started noticing Tracy. So, all right. So, Tracy, tell us why all this was going on. Were you aware of any of this with Andrew much? I know you went to church with him some. Did you kind of know a little bit about this or not know anything about him too much? Tell us about y'all meeting. And we'll talk about y'all meeting just briefly. And then uh, we'll end up ending this part one. And then part two, we'll pick up kind of about your marriage from that point on and your ministry together and different things. But, uh, you know, when Andrew was going through all this, what was your, what were you doing at that time and how did your paths cross? Well, before Andrew even came to Panama City, um, I already knew his dad because his dad was my assistant principal and his dad had been coming to church and we were having a conversation one day in his office because I hung out with teachers sometimes. Hey, you need to go out <laughs> with my boy. <laughs> uh, no, but he said, uh, can you just be praying for my son? He's going to be moving back, and it hasn't been a good situation. And can you just partner with me in prayer for my son? And I said, absolutely. And um, I knew he was moving back. He moved back, and the first time I met him, he already had a girl on his arm. And, um, <laughs> Playa. And I, while I did you know, think he was I, – I noticed he was attractive, but I wasn't a boyfriend stiller or anything like that. So 
I actually made friends, in quotation marks, with, <laughs> with his current girlfriend or the one he was dating at that time and tried to be friendly to her and just, um, you know, I, I didn't even really talk to him for the first few months that I knew him other than just, hey, and it wasn't like a, I saw him and knew he was going to be my husband. It was like, a, wow, he's already dating somebody and he just moved here. <laughs> he makes really good friends. <laughs> so I was just praying for him because I knew he'd been in a rough circumstance and I really wasn't very curious about him other than I knew he was dating someone really fast. Mm-hmm. That was about it. Now, did you look at her ever? Did you still think of her as a friend or something different at this point? Or was you attracted to her? Honestly, it was a strange. Like, I knew her and we saw each other. But I never looked at her in that in that light right. uh, at that time. It was... You know, she was my youth pastor's daughter, and I knew her, and she had another sister that was there, and I hung out with her brother a lot. Me and her brother would hunt together and stuff like that. So she was around, but I never actually looked at her that way before. Right. You know, you talk about, Andrew, what all you were feeling and doing a whole lot of things to try to not feel. Mm -hmm. You know, the choices you were making, you know, with drugs or whatever. You know, now, do you see that same thing in a lot of the kids that you have to minister to? And I don't mean necessarily just at church, but around. You know, kids now, there's all types of pressure releases they're doing, whether it's drugs, alcohol, you know, boys or girls, whatever they're, but you always, or cutting or different mm-hmm. things. I mean, what your experiences, does that help you kind of be able to relate sometimes to understand their mindset? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it gives me a, a, a good perspective because a lot of times you have parents who are absolutely clueless. Like oh, they yeah. don't know why their daughter's doing this or why their son's doing this. And in their mind, you know, they have a good life and, and they can understand why they're making decisions. They are. And, I think that what that's what gives me. I, I look at my past. I look at things I've done, and now I see I see God's fingerprints all over it, because He's used it as a platform now to mm-hmm. be able to talk to others. And and I've, I've talked about this before in in a message I've done. But I think the most powerful words you can say to somebody is "me too." Yeah. And and so if I can come alongside a fifteen year old, sixteen year old who's struggling, maybe their parents are divorcing, or maybe they're feeling like they don't belong, or they don't know what their identity is, or whatever. I can say, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Uh, me too. Like I can relate, and and this, I can tell you right now, these are the choices you're making are not going to help you fix this problem. These are temporary band aids. It's going to give you a moment of relief. It's going to give you a temporary happiness. It's going to give you a dopamine fix or whatever. But you're going to come right back full circle to where you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're always going to come right back to to rock bottom. And so that's helped me talk to students, but it's also helped me talk to, to parents because parents get so frustrated and because and, and, they do. They love their kids, and, but they hate to see their kids making bad decisions. And so they're, they're trying to decide, what am I going to do? And, and so be able to come alongside a parent and, and say, hey, you know, this is some of the stuff that I experienced and I can walk them through on, on the reasons why I did stuff. And, and that sometimes helps get, give parents perspective, too, that they may not have. Right. And. You know, some parents are very harsh, and they want to just immediately just cut off everything. And and one thing I always tell parents is you have to keep the relationship to keep the influence. Mm-hmm. And the moment you try to sever a relationship or you come down so harshly, you're you're killing your influence in that in that time. So that that has my past has given me a, a unique platform to help others. So I'm, I'm thankful for it in ways. And I bet at that time you didn't ever see yourself being in the ministry, uh, you know, no. like this. <laughs> no. 
And, uh, you know, so, so it is a great story. And, and, you know, if you get a chance and you can hear Andrew's testimony at church or different things, there's a lot more pieces to the puzzle that's in there that he has shared. And I, I really tell you that some of the things that you've shared in your testimony and your story is, you know, a lot of times I've said this before, we're in a DMD class just like you are. You're one of the teachers and different things. But you know, we always hide our stories a whole lot because we want people to think our lives are perfect and everything is great. But the problem is a lot of people don't want nothing to do with Christianity because I can't live up to that. They don't understand. And again, I say this each week, so I'm sorry if y'all get tired of hearing it. We all have scars. And the thing about it is a lot of times we want to act like there's no scars, there's no problems. And so that's that. I really appreciate you sharing that. And you know, the, the ministry that you have, both of y'all, because Tracy, you now having the relationship with Andrew, you know those struggles and you've seen that part. And even though God's brought you out on the other side, there's still some scars that are there. And, you know, so it, any thoughts that you have on just as your role being a wife to him, but you probably now can relate to even some of the girls, even though you didn't live through it. You, from the conversations you've had with Andrew and stuff. Yeah, I think for sure what he's went through has um, helped me uh, understand from a different aspect than what I grew up with or what I went through. Um, it's helped me kind of understand where he was coming from and the hurts and the things that he walked through. Um, and he could have used that as an excuse to kind of stay in that lifestyle or just give up on things because he had had a hard childhood. But instead, God did a work in him mm -hmm. and completely turned him around and now is using the most hurtful things in his life to be his biggest ministry. And I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, God definitely showed me a lot of things because coming from a Christian home, I got saved when I was five. Right. I, I, we were having a family devotion. I got saved when I was five. I was able to just... Um, except Christ. He, he was so real to me at such a young age, and God gave me so much understanding. And through my life, like, the big things that were sin to me weren't the same scale of what people oh, yeah. would consider, but they were important, and they were something God would convict me over. Mm -hmm. And so in those convictions, um, as I started becoming a young adult and a teenager, God also convicted me about purity and setting myself apart for Him and um, just seeking Him. And so that's that's what I tried to do. I wasn't always perfect in doing it, and I messed up plenty. But my testimony was different. And so going into ministry, sometimes you're like, well, God, I don't really know where my testimony is going to come through in the middle of this because Andrew has this, like, crazy testimony of all these things that you brought him through. But my testimony is what God kept me from Amen. and his faithfulness in my life from even a little girl to give me the understanding that he gave me and then to give me a heart to seek after him. Right. Not always perfectly, but right. just it's good stuff. And that's a good, and I, and I have a similar like that. You know, I've heard people before tell a testimony or a story been that it was almost like the Saul's experience where he was converted and just changed overnight to something else. One friend of mine, he had beer on the back of his truck going to the lake and he just went to church because his mom wanted him to. And him and his wife went and he got saved and still had the beer all on the back of the truck. <laughs> and, 
you know, but that guy's life changed. He went from living a life of just that to completely flipped around. And I don't have that because I had a certain lifestyle I was brought up with and different things. But uh, my story, you know, there's some problems that were there, but still had parents that believed. So I understand that. But, you know, that brings up a great point. We're going to close with that, or that you did talk about your values, your beliefs, and purity was something that was very important for you, that you, your relationship with God. And, you know, it's just amazing how God works in mysterious ways that y'all's paths did cross. And so when we pick it up on part two, we're going to be talking about how you two met and then your ministry from that point and, and maybe what's down the line in the future, you know, what where, where God's leading and different things and stuff like that. So we're going to talk about that again. Uh, I appreciate you guys joining us, and we look forward to hearing the rest of the story. 